0: Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt, and this is Jesse.
1: Today on tap we have the Last Voyage of the Demeter starring Corey Hawkins, Ainsling Francisoy, Liam Cunningham, Story by Braggy Shute Jr. Screenplay by Braggy Shute Jr. and Zach Ol- Olkiewicz. Based on the captain's log from within Bram Stoker's Dracula. And directed by Andre Orvidal. Welcome back to Rice Smile Films. This week we're serving up some small batch film review. And it's, oh, the weather's changing mm. slightly. Uh, the days are getting shorter. Uh, and man, spooky season's right around the corner. So what better way than to jump right in with a new release as we get ready to dive into a whole slew of horrors Uh, treasures, right, Yeah. from yesteryear. But this one just came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, It's been on our radar for a while. I think we've mentioned it uh, off-mic and on-mic a couple times, and let's just talk about it. Let's go see it. Let's let's do it. Last Voyage of the Demeter from two weeks ago. uh, And very kind of surprising little film. I think this review is going to kind of go in uh, some interesting directions. Maybe we anticipated that. Maybe we didn't. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, just to kind of talk about this film and its lack thereof popularity, six million dollar opening weekend. Yeah, that's not that's not gonna do it, folks.
0: <laughs> yeah. We Or right, I just finished a conversation before we sat down mm-hmm. off mic and I told you about it, and we'll cover it here and then a couple other conversations that get into the importance of timing and marketing. Yeah. And I think this film with its six million dollar opening is going to suffer from that mightily. Well, a six million dollar opening, where do we start with the problems? But that's for the breakdown of the film. I just don't know if $6 million is a good representation. Yeah. Uh, so what I would say, anybody that's listening, if this sparks an interest, go see it, because you probably have about until Sunday, or yeah. maybe till Thursday <laughs> of this next week, you probably have before a week. it's gone.
1: Yeah, this thing's probably dumping on Peacock, peacock in a couple of weeks, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, or but, just see it there, yeah. Yeah, but might be worth checking out there. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Listen to the episode and kind of find find where your footing may lie. But mm-hmm. uh, first, the drinks. The drinks at hand. We opened this in the middle of the Inception episode. <laughs> this is. <laughs> hey, I had an initial plan, but that would have been a long day of drinking. I was like, for each dream level we go down, we'll have a different whiskey. But, oh, wow. Uh, that's a
0: lot, right? Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs>
1: dude, limbo. Dude, we'd be in limbo. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, this is the Ponderosa Whiskey Company. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, this is, uh, this was interesting. Had some pretty good reviews from us when we opened it up. Mm -hmm. And I, I taste a lot of corn. I I get kind of like a weird, like marshmallowy toasted marshmallow type of like taste. It's almost like sweet, but still kind of like, like a burnt taste.
0: I get that too. Mm -hmm. I definitely pick up the smoke. Sweet corn. I see where you're going with marshmallow. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pretty complex bottle. And this is whiskey. This isn't bourbon. This is just whiskey. Whiskey, whiskey. Yeah, whiskey, whiskey. Know how much it it costs? It was a gift, right? Yeah, Jimmy got this for me for my birthday, so I'm not sure. And I actually have yet to see it at another place. I'm sure they're around, but I've yet to see it. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, to that, let's dive right into our flight question.
2: (laughs)
0: This is a two-parter, and I think it's in a space we've talked about before and is a lot of fun, and that's when we are presented with the monster, per se, vampire, but monster Dracula. There's that great moment of what the full reveal looks like. And so as important as that is, I think what's also important with the vampire is being able to disguise them outside of their horrific form when they are just among the randos on the streets looking for their next meal. So here's the two-parter. I want you to tell me in cinematic history your favorite monstrous version of Dracula or a vampire. I think I said Dracula, right? And your favorite formal version of Dracula.
1: Okay. Which one do you want to do first? Let's do formal. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, there's so many different formal Drex to pick from, whether it's Billy Bela Lugosi proper or mm-hmm. just, you know, Jerry Dandridge in that cable-knit sweater. <laughs> just yeah. There's so many, like, how do you want your Dracula to look? What do you want it to, to be like? What type of vibes do you want him him or her to give off, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm actually going with a kind of off-the-beaten-path uh, kind of uh, choice here, but I'm going to go with Barnabas Collins from Dark Shadows. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of dig his whole aesthetic. When he shows up in episode 210 of that thousand episode soap opera, he's uh, kind of has like a cloak on with this long jacket. He's got the cane. I, I think I like my Dracula's with canes. Yeah. Uh, this Dracula <laughs> in this film has got a cane. He's got himself a Larry Talbot cane. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, he's got the jewelry. He's got, like, the, the the finger rings, which, you know, I don't really like that. That, that ain't my style, but vamps uh, seem to like that mm-hmm, <laughs> <right>. accessory. <laughs> they
0: do. So he's got they that. They accessorize well.
1: And he's got the full look. And then when he sheds all that, it's like businessman attire chic. Like, yeah. when he's doing, day, like, regular business that ain't vamping, he just looks like a guy in a suit. And I think I, I associate my dr- Draculas or my vampires with kind of, like, executive chic. Uh, they they are maybe a little bit more on like the upper class echelon. Then my werewolves are, I think, are my blue color workers, right? Ooh, so, yeah. Uh, except Larry Talbot. I mean, he he he, he came definitely came from money. Uh, all of uh, Mr. Claude Rains' money. Mm. But yeah, I just like his look when he when he's in vamp mode. He has he's formidable, but not overly ridiculous. And then when he's business, he's like business chic. And I I've always really dug his vibe. Good choice. Kind of like a 60s, 70s modern look of like, what does this guy look like walking around? It's going to look like that guy.
0: That's a good one. I hadn't even thought about Barnabas Collins. How many episodes did it take in Dark Shadows for him to show up? 210. Holy Toledo. And it was every night, right? It was, uh,
1: every day. It was like it was midday soap opera on ABC. So Four years. Yeah. So they would do an episode every day. Uh, and so the the first couple storylines, it's all about like... Uh,
0: Zombies. stuff. So. Uh,
1: they did some ghost stuff. They did a like a phoenix, so like well, this woman's, uh, this guy's mother was like a, a phoenix uh, mm. spirit. And they kind of struggled a little bit, but like once they introduced the vampire thing, that show like took off. It became the Barnabas show after that.
0: How many years in run did it make? Six. So, so two years with him. I think
1: it's about 1,245 episodes. Boy, that's... You can watch them all on Tubi, ladies and gentlemen. You want to binge
0: it? Sit down and get comfy.
1: <laughs> and they, they they do time travel. They go to the 1600s. They go to the future. They do werewolves. They do Frankensteins. They do ghosts. They do zombies. They do it all. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's, a, fun, it's a fun little vibe. Good choice. Mm-hmm. But there'll be times I'll be watching, and because they did an episode a day, I'll catch a boom mic in there every once in a while, or you'll catch someone flub a line, and they'll just be like...
0: Oh, we're moving on. We don't have time for take two. <laughs> go with it.
1: Yeah, just keep going.
0: Adlib it. Yep. I like that one. Thank you. So I'm going to pick a vampire that we've done before, and I'm going to go with, I think, a guy that's beautifully horrific anyway and cast in this role. That's John Blaylock, played by none other than David Bowie in The Hunger. Those round glasses <clears throat> and the cool stylings of piano teacher as we are introduced to him are ghastly. And because he's angular and rather pasty to begin with, I think he naturally fits not the dark haired vampire, but more of the fair version. Yeah. And that's not as popular. Uh-huh. Uh, Lestat certainly uh, was that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're a little hard. I think you find that more, with the brides or the wives of Dracula than you do actually Mm. himself. But I think he plays it really well. And, you know, can you ask for a better model to do horrific than angular, skinny, odd David Bowie? Yeah. So John Blaylock just vampiric in his like normal persona a little bit. Yeah. Ziggy stardust, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That could be a vampire. Mm. Pasty, <laughs> like that's the word you use to describe him. Hey, that's just Bowie, but hey, man, that's just a vampire too. They should be pale, right? Yeah, th- yeah. yeah, they should have like because they just got they have no blood in them because they're constantly having to replenish that. Right? It's just being filtered through them like a like, like through a colander. Or something.
0: Spoiler <laughs> so, alert. Yeah, exactly. It's about drinking blood this mm-hmm. episode. <laughs> Let's do
1: monster, monstrous, excellent. Um, oh, look, and I have a couple of honorable mentions for for some of these too. Uh, but I'll, I'm going to go with the recent pick. We just did this a, a few months back, but I like monstrous Gary Oldman as in bat suit form. Like whatever that mold of monstrous vampire look, I really dig it with like his short arms and like his like claw feet yeah, and his teeth and his blue eyes and that bald kind of Nosferatu look. I mean, that's like a truly horrifying look of a vampire. And today's film leans into that uh, a little bit uh, with with the look of... The titular creature, but mm-hmm. when I go for like monster monster looking vampire, like I think that's a it's a pretty good look because it, it's suddenly something not human, right? It's more animalistic than it has any type of human personification to it. Mm-hmm. Uh I'll save the honorable mentions just in case it's yours, but that's what I'm going with. Go listen to that episode. We talked for like two and a half hours <laughs> on that movie. Yeah. So there you go.
0: Good one. Mm-hmm. That's what actually sparked this question for me is when they're depicted in a very bat form, which we're going to see in this film and talk about today, versus more of the... Seductor. Yeah, Jerry Dandridge sort of model, Mm. although Dandridge does get pretty awful looking towards the end of Fright Night. He's
1: got those long fingers, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I like the Nosferatu version. Mm. I'm not going with that, but I'm going with what's a close um, reimagining of him. Jerry Nadler? Mr. Barlow himself, mm-hmm. that blue skin. Reggie. Reggie Barlow. Yes. Yeah. No, that, R- Reggie Nadler. Reggie Nadler. Sorry. That's Barlow. Yeah. Yeah. Reggie Nadler. Thank you. Blue skin, yellow eyes, yellow teeth, that wicked grin. Uh, there's no wings. And that's not really a bat form. That's more bipedal kind of human the, looking. Quite across uh, the, the ground
1: type of vamp. Yeah. Terrifying. Mm-hmm.
0: I, th- he's horrifying. Mm-hmm. Just to his blue, Um, I mean,
1: ugh. Yeah. Forever personified with that story. And w- what's great about, you know, that story that we've never talked about before on this podcast is he's not like that in the book. I mean, he, mm-hmm. I think he's definitely more of like a, a Jerry Dandridge, mm-hmm. like uh, Lestat type of like yeah. vampire and an older man, too. Uh, but I like that they leaned into the, like the Nosferatu modern 70s look of, of that. Uh, it fits that story, and when, it, when if you bring up Sam's lot, I mean, that's what your first thing you're going to think about is that,
0: that look, the look of that vampire. Yeah, when he's finally first revealed, that's awful. Changes things, too, if you have that, because the Lugosi vampire is, I'm going to sneak into your window, and there's the seduction element. What's horrifying is if that Barlow Seduces you. Mm-hmm. you. You can make the case that at yeah, least Bellegossi's hair is combed and is. I don't
1: know if he's doing any seducing. You know yeah. what I, right? But yeah. it
0: makes it all the more horrifying if yeah. he does do that. Yeah, you want that guy sucking on you? No way. <laughs> yeah, that
1: guy looks like he's got a case of the mange or something. Yes, he does. <laughs> uh, we'll cover that movie one of these days because I love it. Uh, I love its its cheapness associated with its genuine frights. I love how long it is. Uh, we'll do it, you know, whenever that Salem Slot
0: movie ever decides to uh, rear its face. <laughs> even if that one doesn't make it, there'll be one somewhere along the lines that yeah. shows up again. We could do a whole thing. We could do the Rob Lowe version. Mm. We could do the David Soule version and the new one. Yeah, there be you fun. go. Salem I, I, don't,
1: I don't know if I've ever even seen the Rob Lowe one, but hey, they tried again.
0: <laughs> they tried again. Uh, Excellent. Any Cheers. honorable mentions for, uh, you know... Proper vamps. Keeper Sutherland in the Lost Boys. That's a good look. Yeah, that um, semi mullet look that he has as kind of rock and roll guys, uh, pretty rough. Mm -hmm. I kind of
1: I like uh, you know Bill Paxton's whole vibe from Near Dark. A little similar. His more like kind of like biker aesthetic, right? With Mm -hmm. like shades and you know leather and jeans. So. Yeah, there's something about that, that '80s vampire. They they definitely tried to make it like not so old school, right? Yeah. But I do like the old school, so I got to give a little nod to Christopher Lee as uh, Dracula and uh, Horror of Dracula.
0: I prefer his formal, yeah. to Bella Lugosi's. Yeah, that well, was a concession for me for the formal version.
1: Yeah, all six foot six of that man. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a tall Dracula. <laughs> that works, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, formidable, imposing. What about the monster version?
0: Uh, for Christopher Lee. Or, no, for vampires. Oh, honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Keeper Sutherland one, like I said. And then.
1: I like the Edward Herman one at the end of Lost Boys when he yeah. reveals that he's King Vamp. Yeah, that's pretty good, and too. It's a, that's a pretty good, monstrous reveal.
0: Well, and then there's Max Shrek's hard to go with, wrong with Max Shrek. Yeah. A yeah. poor guy. Needs to work on his posture, but it sure played well. <laughs> Yeah, the the, the Count Orlock, right? The original yeah, Count Orlock. Uh,
1: you mentioned one of mine. I I, I do like Jerry Dandridge's and uh, Amanda Bierce's, you know, final vampiric form where their mouth almost becomes like this, like
0: mm-hmm. Venus flytrap.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to describe that face, but it's the one that's on the poster, right? Just long teeth, you know, big lips, and just this like huge grin that's just ready to chomp down on you. Phew. And they both have it in that film, so uh yeah that, that that would be mine those are those are pretty pretty frightening in a, in a pretty good way any consideration for the 30 days of night vampires those ones are kind of got a, a freaky look to them
0: yeah mm-hmm. those are uh, that's actually a film that i think is really really underrated and that's that's a, a real fun watch mm-hmm. yeah sure yeah what
1: about mr robert pattinson as edward cullen Oh
0: my God! It's horrifying. (laughs) Just kidding. Anybody's abs sparkle like that is sheer terror. Yeah, exactly. Good job. No, he's out. Excellent. Well,
1: to your choices, so many vampires to pick from. It's it's a genre that's never in uh, short demand. Uh, But let's talk about its latest iteration with our review breakdown of the Last Voyage of the Demeter.
2: The Demeter, on charter from Romania to London, shipping private crates contents unknown out at sea with no land in sight this here is Clemens he's a doctor you dress like a learned man University of Cambridge I know my way around the boat our charter has agreed to pay a bonus for timely arrival number let
1: me show you the ship this here is Huckleberry we don't come with like this to give the ears
2: clear. To me, it's a fine mill, no doubt.
1: Something ripped about the animals. All the livestock?
2: This looks like a bite. Search the ship everywhere. Evil is on board. Powerful
1: evil. Alrighty, so the last voyage of the Demeter starts out on August 6th, 1897, as the wreckage of what's left of this vessel washes ashore here in London, and we're left to wonder what happened aboard, and the townspeople are left to wonder, oh my god, what happened to this thing? Did it just get lost in the storm and crash upon the rocks? Did something else happen? And when you just, I guess, see the carnage uh, on board, you're like, yeah, something, something else did this, right? Yeah. How does blood get on these sails like that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's you know we're gonna start there because we, you know, for the most part, I think we're an audience that if you know we've booked a ticket to this thing, I think we know what this story is gonna be. So I think it's just a matter of watching it unfold. It's, it's kind of the reverse Hitchcock, right? I think as the audience, we know that this crew ain't going to make it. Maybe maybe a couple of them, but where I'm coming in as the viewer is, well, I've never seen the eccentricities of what's gone on on board this ship and this slow kind of uh, picking off notion that Dracula is going to do throughout this film. So my viewer's perspective is from that point of view, Uh I'd like to meet the, the viewer that you know is going in and be like, oh, I have no idea what happens on this ship. Right. Let me experience what this is gonna be like.
0: You know, in that trailer that you played, I'm almost wondering if there should be the mention of the name Dracula. Mm-hmm. Um it's hard not to talk Probably about Probably from
1: the girl, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay,
0: it's okay. it's hard not to look at the way this movie played and Anna. Anna okay, yeah. And reconcile the really tepid at best, awful opening, six million uh, against really no competition. Barbie three weeks in, Oppenheimer three to four weeks in. Dude, are, they're still slaying. And they, well, yeah, there's because there's just nothing else. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's not a new topic. Was this released at the right time? Is the middle of August the time for a? Sea-bound vampire film that's very dark. Probably not. I'm going to say no. I of I, I course not.
1: Even proposed two alternative dates for you as we were leaving. Of go tell yeah, October just, or uh January. I mean, there's just kind of nothing. It's a out. Winter movie. Yeah,
0: nobody wants to watch that cold thing in the middle of hot summer. It's just it's it's weird. I got home and told my wife, you know. Basically, this, 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 and I don't want to give too much. I'm going to tell step I guess I can say this. I'm going to like, I like this film. I'm not going to give the rating away, but this is not, a, this was a good watch for me. So I told her I liked it. I told her I would like to take her and see it. And she was down. Uh, just schedules didn't work out. So maybe that's coming this week. But she said, most people don't know that the Demeter or Demeter is the ship that brings him from London to Carfax Abbey. And I sort of quizzically said, are you sure? it seems pretty, she's like, no. And then we just got off the phone with Dan who's been on the show before. And he kind of stated the same thing too, that, you know, most people don't know what that is. Here's the, the crux in that though. If you like vampires, you'd be in, you'd see it either way. Yeah. If you don't like vampires, titling it, giving Demeter colon, the last, or Dracula colon, the last voyage of the Demeter probably doesn't sell it either. Mm-hmm. But, I think vampires are a pretty widely liked antagonist. Yeah. So it should give you pause into why this movie performed so poorly. Okay. So maybe the PA was bad. That's a good trailer. I had seen the trailer plenty. Yeah. And we talked about this back in May, June. Yeah. So.
1: And I think what I liked about the trailer was I was like, Oh, that's a, that's a story that's, it's a footnote in Dracula. I mean, in every iteration that they do, it's, Just a couple minutes if that that, right. Yeah. Or it's in a montage. Uh, When I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, a full film on what that voyage was. Oh, I'm like, I'm I'm kind of interested in seeing that because that's kind of never been done before. So uh, it's a fresh take on some really well weathered material.
0: I don't see where the misstep is other than they didn't put $75 million into P&A, but this movie's not going to get that. Did you ever look up what the cost to produce this was? 46 million. Okay, so reasonably low, $46 million. Mostly one location, so mm-hmm. that's going to help. It is at sea, so that drives one location and makes the cost go up with the water. It's a little bit more. I don't know. It's, it's puzzling but I'm with you. Do
1: you think, Oh, sorry, I don't want to derail you, but mm. in the trailer, yeah. you know, story wise, it's, it's hooking us in this kind of untold version, but visually, is it interesting to you? Or does it just look a little too generic? Because I want to say it's from the trailer's perspective and the movies, something else entirely. I think it did kind of come across as, Oh, kind of just another generic kind of vampire flick. It, it didn't look like anything overly special in like the looks department. Um, uh, and I, th- I do think it does have a nice visual flair from here, uh, from time to time, but... Yeah, maybe. I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of
0: the people who are like, eh, I'll wait for Peacock. Maybe. But when they gave the movie the title and they used the Demeter in there, mm-hmm. I was like, oh shit, that's that story mm-hmm. that has been discussed or briefly referenced in every Dracula movie in some manner from Hammer Horror to Francis Ford Coppola. Mm-hmm. Uh What a cool idea. Yeah. And I think what maybe... Even Nosferatu has a Demeter scene. Yes. Yeah. You know, we've talked about that space um, that is the untapped story of popular that we don't get. Mm. Jacob Marley's come up a few times on the show. This fits into that. So I I guess that I have an interest in finding that little nook or cranny or angle into a well-known story. That's fun. Mm -hmm. And then... Seeing Dracula presented in that way, which you have to know is going to be wickedly carnivorous because the ship is wiped out by the time it ports. Yeah. I, I don't, to answer, I guess I'm getting around your question. I don't know if the trailer just seemed generic to me because all of the side pieces of the film had me really interested. The title, for as much as we might want to bang on the, pi- the, the title, it sold me, mm. but the yous and me that are familiar with Bram Stoker's Dracula and knowing that that's the boat yeah. fits into the non-Terminator fan that isn't probably sold by a movie titled The Creation of the T-1000. Yeah, yeah. People would be like, what the fuck is that?
1: Make a movie just called Skynet.
0: <laughs> that would sell you and me. Yeah, I would go see that. I but, don't know though. I told you I was pretty out on that branch. Yeah, I know, but you like we're playing in a space that's maybe a little too smart for its own good. Possibly,
1: yeah. With a novel that's 140 years old now. So So my question
0: for you is this. Yeah. Is smart and obscure death in popular fiction? Cuz yeah. I'm going to let you answer and then I want to back it up with what you said is 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 that, a, is that a bad way to go?
1: Yeah, unless it's being made by Mr. Christopher Nolan. Uh, yeah, it's I, I think so. I think you know, this has kind of the look and feel of, you know something that could could just kind of be, you know, a little bit too uh, 18 period, whatever, right? That that's usually strike one for me, but it since it's horror, I give it a little bit more of a pass. Sure. So yeah, it does have a few things working against it. In my research, I did find some alternate posters for this film with the release that had January on it.
2: So oh, really?
1: maybe this was supposed to come out sooner and either through reshoots or just delaying because uh, Universal put out Megan in, in January. Uh, and that did pretty well in that in that slot there. So I don't know why they, they shifted around and then dumped it in August, which seems to just be like we Dead Man Tell No Tales in August. It's laying there with Gran Turismo. Yeah. <laughs> and that and, uh, yeah. Uh, Blue Beetle, possibly. I don't. Who knows yet. Verdicts uh, not out on that one. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. It's per. It's it's perplexing. And you know, I don't know if Universal pushed this one nearly as hard as they possibly could have. And I don't like that coming from them. You know, they were you know very Oppenheimer top heavy, which I do love. Right. You know, they they marketed the hell out of that film, and good for them. It was a winner on in their books. But if they're not embracing the monsters the way they should, we're going to have more output like this, right? I mean. It's a bad sign for the directions we want them to go in with uh, these properties, right?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the thing about them, they have a blueprint on maybe not how to do this because all that Crimes of Grindelwald, Fantastic Beasts, which is kind of in the same space that this is, yeah, a mentioned anecdotally piece in Harry Potter. Yeah, an
1: anecdotal book, uh, book right? Yeah,
0: I might even venture that... The Grendelwald, Fantastic Be stuff mm-hmm. is more familiar to movie-going people than the Demeter is. So,
1: let me ask you this though: Are we? we we'll get to the movie here in a second. <laughs> well, this is a big part of it. Though.
0: This is a huge part of it. Trying to
1: figure out this great mystery at the core of this film. Are we just out as a society on Dracula? Because Renfield came out in April, they didn't do so hot either, right?
0: maybe we are. Yeah. That's
1: sad. Yeah. Cause that's a very Dracula obvious focus with Renfield and Dracula with Nick, Nick, Nick Cage, Dracula. And here we are again, four months later and we're kind of in the same boat.
0: Well, let me take you with that question and raise it to the next stakes. Mm-hmm. Are we out on horror? Yeah. Are we uh, struggling with horror?
1: No, we're not out on horror. We're never out on horror. I think we're just out on
0: monster horror.
1: Possibly. That's a little sad for me to ponder. Yes. Uh, But I don't know, maybe we just needed a better, I think this is still a high concept movie, so I'm going to walk that one back a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't know, I think we just needed to be more, oh God, I can't believe I'm going to use this word, I hate this. I hate that this is kind of a term right now, but elevated horror, which is kind of the Ari Aster, you know, Jordan Peele version of horror, you know, as more multi-dimensional, multi-layered and... Uh, not just you know, kind of Schlock, but hey, we got to, we got room for Schlock. I got room for monster movies, and I still think there's a play, time and place for that. But
0: so Schlock's tough, right? Because Schlock to me sort of moves in a non-intellectual manner, mm. and this the concept in this film is not smart. This is how can we survive till we get to port against this this vampire that's trying to devour all of us. But Schlock is intellectually literate schlock maybe is a bad genre. I don't know. It's no, no, I don't think so. Because I don't either. We're going to talk about some schlock here for a few weeks. Yeah. And
1: the conversations are going to be very well layered and very multi-dimensional. So, I don't even know if that's a good argument. So, maybe let me walk my 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 thesis and my hypothesis back a little bit and maybe I'll say, I think we might be out on Dracula.
0: You might right, be right. Right now. Let me ask you one more question and we'll get to the, okay. the opening of this film. <laughs> <laughs> is this movie smart enough to be called a film? Sure. Because I think it is too. It's close.
1: I think it still toys around with like just basic
0: kind of movie entertainment, but there's a very heavy economics theme in Mm -hmm. this movie. Mm -hmm. We talked about it mid viewing and we talked about a couple other really popular movies that played well that we both referenced. One of them didn't play well for kind of the same reason though that you brought up. Yeah. Mm Yeah. It's yeah. coming. It's yeah. a teaser.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think I think it could be both. I think that's also kind of why I liked it. I thought it could be you know there was some stuff to really dig into there. Uh, there's a term that they use later in the film that I thought was extremely fascinating. Uh, was it rationing? It sure was. It sure was. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard that before in a in a vampire film.
0: Well, okay. So let me one more thing. Yeah. When you and I sit down to write, yeah, we say this film is about blah. Yeah. And ways, revenge, family, this film is about yeah. rationing. Rationing, survival. Pretty smart. Yeah. Should we go? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it.
1: <laughs> I'm sure we'll we'll have a few more uh, qualms uh, to come up with. and The verdict's still out. You know, if they, they roll out a Creature from the Black Lagoon film. Hell yes. Film. It's time. Yeah. I'm going to be there opening day, but if, if it's turning in the numbers that the meter's turning in, that's going to be very telling that, yeah, we might be out on some of these old school monsters. Then that's 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 sad, right? Uh but yeah, let's start at the beginning here. Okay, so we, we did cover the beginning. Uh shipwrecked Demeter there, yeah. and so then we take it back a couple weeks to when this thing is at port in Bulgaria and the Romani uh gypsies are bringing all these casks of earth and one uh dracula Mm -hmm. hey which one is dracula i don't know the one with that creepy dragon uh seal on it one of these is not like the other exactly yeah so all these people they're all on edge uh i kind of like that i kind of wanted to know where they filmed that maybe maybe that was i don't know in malta i read somewhere but Mm. this city looked really good and like really of period right yeah I always worry about these films that are set in 18 whatever of like, how are you recreating cobblestone streets and these dirt streets unless you have a part of your town that still looks like that? Because to make that over, there's $20 million right there just flushing down the toilet for 10 minutes. Yeah. But there has to be a place there that still looks like this, but for production value, this looks great. And they're stocking up the this boat. You kind of meet the crew, uh, kind of slapdash. Some of them, you know, I was able to latch onto a little bit better. And then some I was like, is it was that it that one guy yeah. or this other guy? There's yeah. like three interchangeable uh, fodders on the boat, but you, you kind of need some of those in, in these films.
0: With this idea of rationing that I'm glad we put that out there because I'm gonna be referencing it back and I'm sure you will too. We start immediately In the first problem of maybe the inciting incident of the movie with that. So, the Demeter has ported and the captain has disembarked, and immediately we find out that we're light a few hands. So, what we're setting is a through line in this film that continually is there is an inexhaustible amount of needs that we have to sate to make this voyage a success yeah. with a completely exhaustible mm. amount of Crew? Supply, Crew and supply yeah, to meet them. So this is the economics model, right? An unlimited amount of supply against a limited amount of demand or the other way around, demand versus like wants and needs. An inexhaustible amount of, of demand with a very exhaustible su- supply. Natural resources, whether that's mankind or daylight or money or blood or energy or whatever you have, are going to run out. But if you are tasked with a finite amount of resources against a being that is centuries old and essentially immortal, not entirely, but close, especially with what you would have to fight them with, including knowledge. Mm -hmm. that's also in short supply in this and rationed is knowledge. You've created a really strong villain. Mm. And I think Dracula in this movie comes across as that. Now we haven't even met him yet, but what you also get is when the ship ports and they're going about trying to find who is a likely deckhand to come aboard and help with the voyage.
1: Yeah, they they have some open spots on their voyage because as they've been loading these ships, like the people on there are like that's bad news bears, right? Mm -hmm. I'm out of here. They Mm -hmm. almost killed this little boy in the process. Mm -hmm. So now we have a couple open slots, right?
0: It's up to the captain who gets to decide who has a limited knowledge on what they should put on the boat. Mm -hmm. And the most capable character is bypassed at the beginning. That's uh, is it Collins? No, what the, um, our lead. Yeah. Uh, is it Collins? Clemens? Cle- Thank you. Clemens. That's Mr. Clemens, mm-hmm. a Oxford, Cambridge, Cambridge educated doctor. My God, who doesn't need a doctor who can't find work right? on a, yeah. Mm-hmm. On a boat. That's going to be at sea for through. That's exactly who I want Yeah, to fight off malaria and every sickness and disease that you might have. Cause there's going to be lots of that. Yeah. So they pass on him the first time. So when I'm talking about knowledge, what I'm essentially is in the hands of the captain who who is in waters that are way, way, way too deep for him to handle yeah, without he, him even knowing. Yeah,
1: why is he bringing his grandson on this very treacherous voyage unless he's the sole, you know... You know, guardian of this young child, which there's kind of, there'd be a whole story there
0: just with that altogether. Okay, so you're around another point that I wanted to make that I was thinking, yeah. and that's the stewardship mm-hmm. of parental guidance. Yeah. Also in short supply, but absolutely needed because this kid's eight, nine. Yeah, young. And he's going to be put onto this vessel with Dracula. And if he wasn't bad enough, which he is, a bunch of scallywags that brush their teeth with cactuses. That's yeah. how rough and tumble these clowns are. Yeah. <laughs> and the guidance is the captain who essentially spends most of the movie locked in his quarters, doing very little until maybe the last very little third,
1: ca- very little captaining,
0: <laughs> right? He's <laughs> yeah. not in the movie that much. Yeah. So again, where are mom and dad, why are they with grandpa? Because maybe there isn't anyone else. Mm-hmm. So we're really doing a good job for me. Mm-hmm of making this feel extremely difficult to be successful with because you just don't have enough stuff. Yeah. Let's go to the next thing, which is like loading the livestock on the boats. These people have something to eat as they travel. Mm -hmm. How the hell is that going to work? You're going to throw a couple good, what a couple goats, a pig, some chickens. chickens. Yeah. Okay. So maybe the chickens, three chickens lay enough eggs to feed a crew of, is it nine to start? I think it's nine men. Mm Mm-hmm. So you slaughter the pig. There's nothing to store the meat in because you don't have any resources, so you have to ration that. How do you ration a pig? Yeah, you got
1: to eat it quick, right? There's, so, there's really no rationing of that.
0: How do you ration goat's milk? Mm-hmm. Is goat's milk enough to sustain? Yeah. Which you... Yeah, I'm not eating on this boat. <laughs> they're really, really limited in outs that they have to meet just the basic problems of everyday life, not to mention that yeah. compounded by there's a vampire on there with There's it. a Dracula on
1: board. I really like to. So we get on the boat. We we hire Clemens to fill in this empty slot here and, you know, because he does save this little boy from being obliterated by this crate of earth. Uh, and, you know, they get on the open seas here and it's just, you know, kind of meeting the crew. But one thing I'm always very privy to in uh, these types of films, I really like like these transport stories where a crew unbeknownst to themselves is transporting something really dangerous, but, they kind of pay no attention to that in these stories because the financial bounty at the uh, the finish line is kind of worth all the the pain and labor.
0: That's sounds like another movie that you've mentioned that you really like a lot.
1: Yeah. What's it called? Um, uh, is, it, is it Twilight?
0: <laughs> mm, it's yeah, Twilight. It's Twilight. No, I Again. think it's another science fiction film. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, it must be Alien, right? Oh, yeah, Alien.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, we're not going to forfeit our shares, right? We're going to deliver this thing on time.
0: With a bunch of blue collar
1: assholes, so we can't tell anybody, or we're not allowed to know what it is.
0: And let's make the female on board the one who's the most knowledgeable and sane of mm-hmm. everybody there. Not quite as much in the Demeter, but yes. Yeah, we're which gives me one more quick pause. Yeah, how's this six million? There's two movies that we're going to talk about. This reminded of us. Yeah, right. Reminded us of mm-hmm. Aliens. One. The other one is
1: Yeah, the thing. Well, the thing bombed when it came out too, right? Yeah, I know, but that's
0: pretty good company to be mentioned in. <laughs>
1: that's Universal too, man. Universal doesn't know how to market these types of movies, right? Yeah, good point. <laughs> it's just like, you know, like sell sell people on this single location because I'm going to argue it's just, you know, we did have that opening bit and we have an epilogue where it takes place on land in uh, London and then here in Bulgaria, uh, Romania, but the rest of the movie is out on the on the high seas. This is a single location movie for
0: its very definition, right? We're on this boat for the entire runtime of this film. So, is this a better marketing plan? Is this movie supposed to be marketed and not in the trailer because this is so clunky? But yeah, Alien meets the thing with vamp with Dracula.
1: Yeah, I think that's the pitch, right? It's, Something
0: like that. Yeah. A little smoother than the rough way I just put it out, but mm-hmm. that's what this is. Yeah, because they even have to deal with like not in the freezing temperatures that they have to deal with in the thing but temperature or mother nature insofar as night and day go. Mm-hmm. And then just the seas themselves. I, every time I see one of these movies with this boat that's just tossed about by these waves yeah, and your hope is <laughs> to get these pieces of rope and tie the...
1: Well, it's all very technical, right? I tie,
0: mean, yeah, tie the... the um,
1: Yeah, the masts. The masts and the wheels down yeah. so that it
0: doesn't go off course. Your hope yeah, you, is hopeless. You gotta put
1: that thing on autopilot, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I was thinking about this when we were watching. I was like, man, what a crazy time to be alive. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm glad I live in
0: 2023 (laughs) for the the most part. Mostly, yeah.
1: Uh, uh, But I don't want to live in 18-whatever either because – this boat has no motoring engine. It's driving with the wind yeah. on the high seas. So, yeah, your sails have to be of a certain diameter and length and curve curvature, and it's all very technical, and that just sounds like a fucking nightmare.
0: Especially <laughs> so when you have to climb up there to tie them down or yeah. untie them. Mm-hmm. That yeah. scene was crazy to me. I had no idea that they climbed those masts to do that. Of course they had to. Yeah.
1: yeah, you wonder how all these people died at sea. They're all falling off the masts or falling overboard, and that, that's it for you. They, they're not getting you.
0: Well, that's dumb of me. How many pictures of boats have I seen that have these ladders ascending skyward into crow's nests? Yeah. it's. I guess I always just thought, oh, that's so they can see what's... On the horizon. There's nothing in the way. I think it is
1: for that at times, but yeah, that's their access to get to these top sails,
0: right? And your way to hang on to the sail is with a rope that's a suspension line, and then your hands holding on to the top of the mast.
1: Is it safe? Yeah, talk about workman's comp, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, I was watching and I was like, there's what? nothing about this way
1: of life that's even the slightest bit appealing. I, I, I would be seasick. Uh, like, I think I would be okay for one day. I could do one day of this type of sailing. But two, three weeks of this, dude, I'm puking every day. And then I'm eating like, st- like rotted food. And then I have yes. no food. And then I'm just drinking heavy. And then now something's, like, siphoning off my blood, so I have limited blood supply. Dude, I'm in bad shape. We're sh- never
0: going on vacation together. Okay, yeah, dude, that sounds I'm, like a nightmare.
1: I'm, I'm in bad shape on the Demeter here. Yeah. And I really like, we, we, I'm glad you mentioned Alien, and I think we we made that comparison very early on in this film because we have a very similar, like, Nostromo, mm-hmm. uh, like, dinner scene where we're talking mm-hmm. amongst the crew, and if everyone remembers back to Alien, uh you know, you have Yaffe Kodo, Parker, and uh, Harry Dean Stanton Brent are just so uber concerned about the freaking shares that they have. And if they don't go investigate the anomaly that has woken them up, they will forfeit all their shares. So, yeah, getting into that economics of I am such a blue-collar worker. I have next to nothing in my savings account. I need this gig to deliver this mineral ore, right? And these guys are having a similar conversation. The captain's kind of asking him, "What are you going to go spend it on?" This guy's going to go for three weeks at the bunny ranch or something, right? Yeah, he's going to go blow all his savings at a brothel, the and bunny ranch. yeah, and he he's just going to go like nuts. And did they, they ask our lead Clemens like, "Oh, you know, what do you want out of this?" And I, you know, he's played by uh, Corey Hawkins. This is a black man, and you know, I think they do a lot of really good stuff with him being that he has a really great line later that this like family hired him to be this like this Royal doctor. Then they found out that he was a black man in 18, whatever. And they're like that, that that ain't going to work for us. Right. Mm -hmm. So he's just looking to what he says is make sense of the world. That already doesn't make sense. And if I can find that answer, then I'm all the better
0: for it. So, Oh, I'll take his shares then. (laughs) He's not serious about this. The other thing that's sorely lacking in the Demeter with this regard to rationing is humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy that plays the Russian. Um,
1: yeah, David Damast, clan
0: uh, That guy is fitting into the Claude Rains realm of.
1: He was an Oppenheimer and mm-hmm. he's been in a few of those. He was in uh, the Suicide Squad as Polka Dot Man. Yeah. He was in uh, Prisoners. Yeah. Yeah. He's so,
0: kind of fitting into that, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Does a really good job. Yeah. So we've created a Hall of Fame for those guys. Although
1: I, I think I don't know. Like I, I really picked this up with him. Like all his lines, I think were like re-recorded and dubbed because like it was kind of. I was trying to like watch his lips, and uh-huh. it was almost like it wasn't syncing up properly. And I was like, "Oh my god, is the audio in our movie out of whack?" But everything else was good. But like his stuff and some of the captain's lines were like I don't know that they, they were a little not like kind of syncing up. So I think there was some redubbing going on with with those two uh, gentlemen. Okay, so, but I'm with you. Yeah that 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 guy is very uh, rough. He's kind of like child. I was waiting for that guy to say, mm-hmm, "I don't believe any mm-hmm. of this voodoo bullshit." I don't
0: believe any of this voodoo bullshit. <laughs>
1: he's like that, like disbelieving guy that's not only just a barrier of authority, but like he's a barrier in the way of trying to like rid evil too. Until he finally gets on
0: board. When you have natural disaster movies, one of the things that humanity ends up fighting against, other than the element that's put them in that position is the lack of morality among their fellow man. Mm-hmm. And usually they turn on each other and you get the mob mentality. You know, that's the mist that's Frankenstein to a certain degree. There's mm-hmm. lots of times we've seen that. If you're on a boat for three weeks, is it three weeks, four weeks. If you're on a boat for four weeks, like the Demeter is going to be bringing this cargo to Carfax Abbey. You have to pray that the people you are on the boat with, because they are going to be there for the duration. Mm-hmm are able to keep their sanity long enough to adhere to the social norms and morals that govern our behaviors in a comfortable place. Now, power goes out, we run out of toilet paper, blah, 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 internet goes down for a number of days and all that goes to the wind. Okay, it's gone to the wind literally on a boat because that's what's driving you. So it is you against mother nature. And when you remove those safety nets, you have to count on the goodness or humanity of man to keep this from turning into this savage slaughterhouse of debauchery, in this film, that's also rationed because the humanity is really only provided by two entities. It's Toby, the little boy, and Mister. I can't remember this guy. I was one Collins. What? Clemens. Jesus Christ, Mister Clemens. Roger Clemens. Really? Is it Roger Clemens? No, no, no. That's. Um, oh, okay. I am gonna have you remember. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Fastballs. So they're the only two. That are keeping this group from mutinying each other. Yeah. And this is at the beginning of the film when things are still... We've got full supplies, Mm -hmm. whatever that means. Yeah. And we're still pretty fresh from our time on land into this boat. Mm -hmm. Again, another through line in the film of creating all of these obstacles that Dracula doesn't have... To deal with, because you know what Dracula has forsaken? Yeah. His humanity. Yeah. The parallelism between the two of those. That's why I'm, that's when my contention earlier was, is this film too smart? Too smart. I found this after we got home on Thursday night Mm -hmm. to be, dare I say, Philip Seymour Hoffman from Almost Famous, a think piece that really had me spun out for about a day and a half till we got till now. Like there's a lot of parallelism between what they don't have Mm -hmm. and what Dracula doesn't need. Mm -hmm but can survive without. Yeah.
1: Yeah. T- and t- taking his time while doing it. So we get like the first night here, we have Clemens up on board with one of these other guys and walk in this foggy deck and, you know, they see something kind of in the shadows or, or through the, the spy glass. are like, Oh, that was weird. That, <laughs> that demonic thing that just went in my purview. Uh, and then on top of that, there's a bunch of chaos. And then one of the other crates breaks and out spills out this woman. And she's <laughs> like, dude, what? Like, we're, we're transporting this 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 woman, and she's really sick. Uh, and just kind of convulsing and kinda, kinda, uh, contortioning and just a bunch of w- weird stuff. And good thing we have this doctor on board because he's able to see that yeah, uh, she's going to need a blood transfusion. How he figures that out, out I don't know. <laughs> uh, and how we're able to do this very kind of rudimentary transfusion on the boat. Uh, not
0: the most sanitary of conditions. Oh, not at
1: all, right? Yeah. This uh the orca's uh clean vessel compared to this thing, yeah, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but now we have a, a like like a new character. We have a stowaway now, essentially, right? And mm-hmm. it's this person that's sick. Oh, that's strange. How do we figure that out? And then the animals start go uh start missing, right? There's this dog Huckleberry on board, and you know, you know, there's the rule in these horror films like, okay, are we are we killing the animals or and are we killing the kids? And you know, this film's gonna just essentially gonna gonna do it all at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. And first we're gonna eliminate these animals and man, poor Huckleberry. I mean, he gets dragged in through the the shadows by by Dracula here. And then I guess Dracula, you, in terms of rationing, he decides that I guess night two is animal night. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna get all the animal all the pigs, the chickens. So I guess that's gonna present itself a problem for the crew, and they're like, now we have like no food and now we have all this. Weird circumstances of how this was done. Oh, did the doctor do it? Did that woman do it? Like, who did this? Uh, So now we're in a very thing-like space. Yeah, we're not trusting each other. Yeah, that's where I picked up on that. We're very accusatory on, you know, who was where, what's what. And, yeah, I think that, that works pretty well for me. I really like, and I'll hand it back to you, that Dracula, for the most part, I was worried about this, and I think I prefer it this way. Because you can make another version of this film where Dracula's walking on the deck looking like Gary Oldman, all sexy, uh uh-huh. having romantic scenes with Anna and like mm-hmm. seducing her yeah. back to the dark side, and he becomes like more of a character versus kind of this ancillary, like third thirdary character yeah. in this yeah. film. Like he's mm-hmm. barely a character in this thing. Yeah. Cause he's the this villain in the shadows. Yes. I think I like that they did that. And I my other worry was that they were gonna none out this. Uh, creature or Pennywise, this thing, too much mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. we were going to see too much of it in the lead up to the finale, right? And they don't really do that. I mean, at the end, he does get a little kind of like volume wise, he loses a little bit of his believability with the CGI of it all. Yeah. But for the most part, they keep him in the shadows. They show him from behind, they show him like his shadow moving. And I, I really liked that. I really liked that we didn't overuse the villain because this is the type of film that could definitely do that.
0: Credit to them for mm-hmm. going to school on Alien then and not giving us too much of that because by the time they we take finished the Alien up, approach, yeah, yeah, by the time we finished it, we were kind of almost laughing at Pennywise because he just yeah I'm got a little, overused,
1: a little done with him. Yeah.
0: Okay, so I'm at a crossroads at this point. If the issue, and it's stated by Anna later in the film, is that Dracula is rationing the victims so that he has enough blood to sustain him till we get to port, is his decision to wipe out the entire livestock in one night because that's a miss in the writing? Or is that because, and I I'm careful to say that because they are very cognizant of keeping that theme throughout this film. And it seems obvious that they would admit like it's too obvious a miss here. So is then that done to create turmoil and strife among the crew? And if it does, Okay, so let's go with that for a minute, because let's give the writers credit. If he does wipe out the entire livestock population in one night, in one fell swoop, in one great big feast, and that then he knows, because I think he is a calculated villain in this. He knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. What advantage does that give him in the continued vamping of the remaining crew members? Does he want them isolated? Does them being angry at each other make his job
1: easier? Yeah, I think it maybe diverts the searching. Because then you know, if they figure out that, oh, my God, it's Dracula on night three, then you know go dump that thing into the ocean during the day, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it, it, it puts the pressure and the suspicion kind of away from him for a good majority of the film because we're, we're not believing in some alternative higher uh, supernatural power. Uh, We're just kind of thinking, oh, it was this guy that we picked up. Oh, it's this girl that's now suddenly on our boat. It's all these other weird circumstances. So I think he does. He things it out a little bit to, like, play them against each other.
0: Does that create isolation and make the attack of each of the sailors all the easier? I don't think so, cuz we're already pretty isolated. But, but if, I mean like we're mad at each other, so you go to your cabin, I'm going to go to my cabin. I don't and then you get to just pick them off one by one without having to go through two guys to get this one victim A, like you don't have to go through B and C to get victim A. Yeah, I
1: don't even know if he needs to really do that in this in this film because naturally by nature of their jobs they're already pretty isolated. Uh, The cook's in the cook station, the boys checking out, you know, the livestock, and then you have two people every night up walking the deck, right? So they're already fairly isolated.
0: So this is, okay, so I don't disagree with any of that. So this is a little troubling, and this might be then a bit of a miss. Here's the other thing, though, that isn't a miss. If we have a limited amount of livestock that has to sustain their dietary needs for the trip, damn, does he waste a lot of blood and flesh that isn't used when he finishes those animals. So here's this nice robust plump ass pig Mm -hmm. that would provide food for at least a couple nights for the entire crew. Yeah. Two nights out of a 28 night voyage is at least a start. That's almost 10%. Mm -hmm. And you could probably squeeze three out if you have any amount of salt (laughs) to keep it from the meat from spoiling. Yeah. That pig really struck me because when he vamps that pig, yeah, he doesn't even finish all of the blood in that pig. Mm-hmm. It's almost like this orgy mm. of of feasting that he goes about where none of them are drained completely.
1: But they're soured at that point. Right? Can't
0: eat the meat anymore. Yeah. And who would? Because what happened is I'm not going to eat this thing after what it's been through there. Yeah. But because he doesn't finish it, it speaks to... The, uh, this idea of rationing and that Dracula is so far ahead of what the plan is on getting this to port in a usable manner for him, which would be to go find other victims and for the crew yeah. of the Demeter it would yeah. be alive. Mm-hmm. Man, it's almost like he's taunting them a little bit. Mm-hmm. That pig, Jesse, was still oozing buckets of blood when we saw it. Yeah, He sucked on that pig for about two minutes and you have to wonder... Had he just finished that thing and drained it dry, would he even needed to do the two goats and the three chickens? And and the answer is no. Yeah, probably not. Dracula's a bastard in this film. (laughs) He is. They've really created an awful monster. Yeah. Because, and we're going to talk about the moment when I leaned over and asked you, are they really going to do this? And then they did. Yeah. Remember? In in a few minutes, I'm sure. Well, they
1: also do something interesting. And I don't know if this is what I saw or if you saw this too, but now we're leaning into kind of another monster movie, uh, The Mummy with uh, Brendan Fraser. Where when that mummy starts out, he's like a skeletal corpse. And when that mummy starts feeding on the different people, he becomes more vacuous and, and human-like. Mm-hmm. And I think they were doing that with Dracula because he looks mm-hmm. very gaunt and skinny. And after each meal, he started becoming a little more human. Like, he's kind of getting to that Gary Oldman face, right? Yes. Um, yes.
0: So To I thought- your point, remember the first crew member that he gets. Yeah. He's laying on the ground and like has enough energy just to spring on it and
1: cut his throat. Right. Yeah. 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 So they're, they're playing that, that each victim he consumes gives him a little bit more of the life force. Right. Oh, wow. Becoming a little bit more, more human. And I did like that. Cause that's very alien. Like, right. Is this organism that keeps evolving the stronger and uh, older that it gets Sure, more that it feeds on things or gestates. Yeah. Uh and the same with the thing, right? The more that the thing assimilates, the stronger it becomes as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we're playing in a pretty interesting space here. But yeah, let's get to this big moment here because we're kind of eliminating these kind of nondescript crew members. Yeah. I do have to point out one thing that I think is uh, maybe my top highlight of the film, but and maybe the reason to go see it in the theaters. But I thought the surround sound mix of uh, of the of the movie. Was incredible because every like creak that that ship took, like you could just feel like the ropes like tightening and the wood creaking and like every nook and cranny. Like you felt like you were in the bowels of that ship. And it really made me yearn for more films. Like we haven't done a film like this in a while, like, uh, like a Pirates of the Caribbean or like a Master and Commander where we're like uh, on the high seas and 18 whatever yeah. with these old ass ships yeah. that are crazy and you're feeling like all of it, right? And you're hearing it. So that soundscape that they make on top of all the like crazy Dracula noises you're hearing in the background, I thought was very effective. Made it very immersive, right? It's kind of an immersive ride Mm -hmm. uh, in that way. But Toby, this little boy who is kind of comes a little bit close in my my eyes in terms of like kind of like kid actors, he comes pretty close to derailing some of what he's doing for me just based on, He's just he's just a kid, right? I and mean, he's just kind of an annoying little kid at that point. Yeah. Me wondering why you what are you even doing here, right? You're just kind of in the everyone's way. Mm-hmm. Uh he goes uh to kind of the bowels of the ship and the, he runs into this other guy that's been vamped kind of the night before. Uh let me see if I can get that guy's name. Oh Ogear Oh
0: And
1: so he's down in the very kind of the bowels and he sees old Garen and then he's kind of calling out to him. But when he turns around, he's, he's all vamped out. He's got wide vacuous eyes and he's got blood coming out of out of him. So this little boy's like, Oh shit, I got to get out of here. And so he makes chase and we get, I think a really good chase scene. This is very at times, you know, not only the stocking rationings nature of Dracula, but then this scene in particular, I was like, it's like, man, we're doing like a slasher movie at the same time mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Uh, so we like pin this boy in the captain's quarters and he's like hiding, trying to get out. Algarin's bashing his face in, which is pretty brutal by the way, like just breaking his nose like, to, break, to break down the door to get it down. Yeah.
0: yeah and, using his head as a battering ram.
1: All the rest of the crew trying to figure out like what the hell's going on here? Like what, what, what is all this? And then, you know, they're about, they're close to opening this door to rescue the boy. And there's Dracula hanging from the rafters. And we're like, is this, fil-? it was like, is this film going to go there? Is it going to do it? And oh boy, does it go there? This
0: kid gets vamped on on the neck the 8-year-old little Toby. Yeah, he's stuck in the captain's quarters mm-hmm. and we get a that great image mm-hmm. where we see not through the keyhole but essentially through the keyhole kind of POV of Dracula descending on this little boy. And I look I leaned over to you and said, are they really going to do the kid right away? Yeah, are they going to do are they going to do this kid now? Very rarely do they, right? I mean, this is a big moment cuz is that maybe the midpoint of the film? I think so. Yeah. Jesse, what that did for both of us yeah. is wiping out the boy that early. Cause you, you got to figure like the boy and Clemens are going to be the final two survivors and probably this Anna who's coming back to a more normal state. cognizant state with, yeah. with Clemens blood, which is also pretty interesting because he's also in limited supply.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: No, man. Yeah. That for sure had to be the final threesome. No, yeah. they, they did it. I was, yeah. So now we're not safe. There's there's no guarantee about who's going to make it now. Yeah. Big and, moment. And they
1: keep him around for a little while, so I kind of thought they were walking it back mm-hmm. a little bit. I was like, okay, we're vamping the boy, but if Trying we... Trying to
0: transfuse him back to to health. But if we had yeah,
1: transfuse him and or do we kill Dracula, which I don't know what this film's going to do at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Maybe we're writing a different narrative here. Yeah. Maybe we can bring that boy back to his original state. Mm-hmm. But... No, a couple days later, you know, after some more investigatory work. And I think at this point, we kind of got everyone on board with, uh, Ew, this might be a Dracula on board. And uh, we do get some interesting information from Anna. We'll talk about her here in a second. But, yeah, they lean over like one day and that that boy's dead. So, we're like, ah, man, let's we got to dump him overboard, right? Whew. And then we get this wild scene here, which is, you know, the grandfather... The captain of the ship it's just like i saw him move i saw him move under those sheets and he's just you know very grief stricken at this point and so they you know pull the the sheets over him and this boy's got these white vacuous eyes they open up they grab at the the grandfather but it's within the sunlight so they both like ignite yeah. and do this grandfather gets some gnarly burns on his bald head but if there was any evidence of like or any inclination of we're gonna bring this kid back, no, this this is the end of it, right? We do flame on,
0: right? Yeah, as he burns, he descends into the sea, and this semi-burned fleshy thing yeah. ugh, descends to the bottom of the depths of the is it Aegean? No, the um Bay of Biscay, I believe yeah. it is. Yeah. And you're just sort of the the cameras are in no hurry to leave, so you're just stuck with the realization, like, "Yeah, that's brutal."
1: I think it's ballsy. It's it's not not a lot of these films really go into that territory, just because it's it's so taboo. And we've, yeah, there's been kind of a few. Uh, Gloves that,
0: are off. Look out. You don't know what you're gonna get.
1: Yeah, Sultan precinct, you know, notoriously mm-hmm. kills a, a, a little girl, and even in uh, the David Gordon Green of the the new Halloween reboot. I don't know if you remember in that first one, but there's that kid that really wants to go to his dance class, mm-hmm. but they they stumble upon the 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 bus crash of the Myers uh, clan. Mm-hmm. And Myers grabs that kid by the neck and snaps his throat at that yep. nine, 10 years old. Like we don't do it often because I think it is just so kind of icky, but like here, I think it adds to the stakes of the film that yet yeah, no one is indeed safe here. They we already wiped out the dog, which we love. Yeah. Now we wiped out the kid, like, who's going to be left? No one might be left at the end of the day.
0: Such a good point, Jesse, because if you wipe out the dog, which, you know, that's the number two that you don't kill, the dog. Number one is the kid, and they're both gone by the midpoint in the film. What it did for me Mm -hmm. is it really made me start pulling for Clemens all the more hard, because we know when the Demeter ports, whatever's left of it, it's it's derelict there's nothing on the vessel it's wiped out there's it's it's a ghost town so you're fighting against that that notion to let yourself not hope for clemens because you know he's going to die mm-hmm. so as the movie started to unfold from this midpoint forward i really found myself pulling for him not even because he was such a likable character but because i didn't want the movie to go down yep everybody's dead. And we told you they were going to be dead at the beginning. I really wanted to pull for him to survive. And so I really thought long and hard about that's a possible escape. He could do this. He could do this. And when we'll get to it, I'm a little ahead of us Mm -hmm. when they devised the plan and finally have come to terms with it's Dracula and we have to do something. Or if he gets to London, he's going to feed the whole town or he's going to feast on England. I really wanted that plan that they devised to work to work Yeah. That's big, man. Mm-hmm, yeah. You don't. If you can create a a feeling in the audience that you care about the characters enough to really start yeah. pulling for them, yeah. So th- I'm telling you, this really worked for me. Instead
1: of rooting against them, right, wanting to see them get picked off, and then that's where they have the thing come back into play. There, where Anna's like, "We can't let this thing get to the mainland." It's just like I was like, that, "That's like a line rip right out of the thing." I was yeah. like, "If this thing gets to the mainland, it's over." Yeah. So yeah. what's gonna happen next? Uh yeah, this Corey Hawkins uh he played a uh, Dr. Dre in Straight Out of Compton and he was in that in the Heights uh mm-hmm. Lin Manuel Manuel Miranda film. But I got to tell you what. I think he had some really great presence. I thought he was really good as this role of Collins or Clemens. <laughs> now I'm doing it. I know. <laughs> Thanks man. Uh You know what is it is cuz of Barnabas Collins. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, that's why it is. Yeah. Collins? But anyway, what, what I was going to say is, like, I don't know what's going on. or And then, you know, writers and actors strike, be dan like, the, all of that's up in the air. But all the Jonathan Majors drama mm. and mm. where that's going to mm. go, you yeah. know, if you need to recast Kang. There you go. Get this guy. Well done. I think he
0: could do it. That's good, Jesse. I yeah. hadn't considered that. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know where that's at, and it's neither here or there, and... It could go one way and we continue on the way we were. But if in a last minute, if you need to redo the character, otherwise undo your whole phase or a multiverse saga, I think you got a really capable actor right here that, you know, I think needs a big role to let more people see his acting chops. So, Good job. That's great. Yeah, thank you.
0: Do you remember when we were watching the film and we did that really quick roll call vote of the team that Van Helsing assembles in Dracula per novel, and yeah. it was like Seward, um, Quincy, uh, Quincy. And I asked you, was there a Clemens involved in that? The reason I asked you that is because I wanted to feel like this guy's gonna get out of here because I liked that character. Yeah. That's what and I couldn't recall what the Carrie Elways character's name in Bram Stoker's Dracula was. Um I'll get him. You're looking for it? Yeah. So what I was hoping is that there was a tie with that name to one of that ragtag bunch that Van Helsing puts together that are all in love with Lucy <laughs> and like fighting. Yeah, yeah. The only reason had yeah, Dallas Maverick style over Tony Braxton, Homewood, Lord Arthur Homewood. Okay. So not even close. And then yeah, Billy Campbell as Quincy Morris. Uh,
1: yeah. the only thing I reasoned that I didn't kind of Homewood,
0: what a terrible name. Yeah.
1: Uh, talk about 18, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Cause if, if they did have this guy, th- th- that would be kind of privy knowledge to like, he's going to make it or, or no, like in Dracula lore of like one of the survivors of the Demeter is now helping them hunt down this, this guy. Like, I think we would know about that a little bit more. So you and me would, nobody yeah. else
0: even <laughs> knew it was the, d- Yeah, there. it you would go. matter to two
1: people. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so yeah, that's why I wasn't like, ah, oh, that doesn't really sound familiar. So again, yeah. I think it's working in the film's favor of like again, I don't know if this
0: guy's going to make it out of here or not. So that really threw me for a loop. I can not I, I don't have a ton of of data to back this up. Mm. But I went home and I thought about when was the last time I really pulled for a protagonist like I had in this film? You know, certainly Creed. Yeah. <laughs> and, there's others. So I'm not going to make some bombastic statement like, I haven't pulled for, because that's, I don't know. But the point regardless is.
1: You mean you weren't pulling for Indiana Jones as he went to go speak to Archimedes in the past?
0: I, I was, but <laughs> <I> might have been. <laughs> who couldn't yeah. be pulling for Indy in that yeah. scenario? <laughs> Karen Allen's waiting for him right on yeah. the other side. <laughs> yeah, Get yeah. back home, Indy. Marion Ravenwood's right there. Yeah, She's the descendant of Arthur Holmwood. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I'm just doubling down on oh, yeah. the statement I made. Like I'm really at this point, really wanting Clemens to succeed.
1: Yeah, I think it's got a good McCready and, and Ripley vibe, and I think he's definitely lesser than those characters because you know I think they have more material to play to play around with. Yeah, but it's one of those like fight or flight. You know, I'll sacrifice myself to not let this thing off this ship or off Antarctica mm-hmm. uh, because I've seen what it can truly do to people mm-hmm. let's talk about Anna real quick because i thought this character is very interesting because i don't know if this is demeter lore that there was a stowaway dracula yeah. bride on board the ship uh as like because what was the goal if he's taking her over is that like some sort of makeshift bride to have waiting for me when i get to carfax abbey
0: worst case scenario if i have nothing left to feed on i've got uh, a couple more sucks on her still yeah
1: i got another husk i can uh, uh get some energy from mm-hmm So, I don't know where that's really coming from, but I really like the inclusion of it because she's kind of some good exposition. Mm-hmm. Uh, into the story uh, almost ash uh, from alien if you will but yeah. much n- less nefarious good because uh, yeah. she has the knowledge of like this things I've known I've been connected to this evil for years why is he going to Carfax Abbey and I love this line I was like well it's because he's drained his countryside dry <laughs> just, Dracula's just been sucking left in right now. Yeah. Uh, and right Yeah, now he's going to go do the same to London and then she's the one really invoking into everybody we cannot let this thing get there because mm-hmm. if it does it's curtains yeah. over time, and Dracula has time on his side, uh, yeah, he'll wipe it out if need be.
0: Nice infusion, if mm-hmm. you will, of yeah. humanity into this boat that's devoid of it.
1: Yeah, and and I think knowledge, uh, supernatural
0: knowledge. Oh, good. Yeah. N- knowledge and humanity on this, this vessel that's derelict with mm-hmm. the most extreme cost if you fail. Yeah. All of London. And then God only knows what else. Mm-hmm. They have to win this. Yeah. We know they don't because there's a story called Dracula that follows this. <laughs> that's, you know, takes place before and after this. So speaking to that, man, as we're talking, I think, I don't say this yet. I'll, I'll return to this later, but okay. this essentially is a prequel. Mm-hmm. You know how I feel about prequels. Yeah. It's, this is succeeding. I don't even want to go
1: prequel because prequel. Midquel. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Because prequel would be Carpathian, like yeah. Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. That would be that story. This is a story smack dab in the middle of the story we know. Yeah, a mid mid mid
0: quill. <laughs> I think about Dracula proper and the beats. Like let's think about the arrival of Dwight Fry
2: mm-hmm.
0: at Castle Dracul
2: mm-hmm.
0: And or any Dracula story. That's essentially the first act. Mm-hmm. What this almost is is an intermission mm-hmm. on a story. That takes a natural intermission anyway, and like, yeah, there's this whole boat ride and it's really bad, but we gotta get on with what we wanna see because it's a love story. We
1: gotta get him there.
0: We gotta get him there. Yeah. And this movie took that intermission or that passing of of story and created a pretty wild tale mm-hmm. on an otherwise forgotten or disregarded piece that's four weeks in Dracula's story. Yeah. That wasn't even without action because the whole crew wiped out. So something went down on that boat. Mm-hmm. So beat wise, this is almost like a beat in between intro inciting incident, end of act one, in between beat three and four, which would be end of act one and start of act two.
1: Yeah. It's like in the middle of there. It's a whole movie set within that time span.
0: Three A? Yeah. Four, four minus? I I don't know what you would call that beat. It's before the midpoint, right? Because oh, sure. end
1: of act one would, I think, be like that orgy
0: scene with Harker, right? Doesn't the opening of act two have to be his arrival in London? Correct, yeah. Like, the, like maybe the opera? Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there. Yeah. I, I don't exactly know when we fade out and then fade back in, but this is that space in between fade out. Wow.
1: They did a whole story there, yeah. So That's yeah, cool. Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting things. So it's, we're essentially kind of forming the last stand. And what I really like about the like kind of ticking time element is you know we're the other thing that didn't quite work as well for me just because I didn't think the movie needed it, but maybe they did a screening where we needed more information on what the hell is going on here. I didn't need this captain voiceover like yeah August twenty whatever like yeah. you know where this like I, like I think the film gave enough information that like we know like we got a couple days to get there right.
0: So you would have, you have liked it better if each scene that mattered, they would have had a countdown on how many days till arrival in the top oh right no, corner? I would have hated that more. Actually, okay, I,
1: I, I but you see, I'm not, I'm not just average. I've seen so many movies where I just, I don't need that type of handholding where I don't need extra voiceover or extra title cards to kind of let me know what year it is. It's like I know what year it is.
0: What happens naturally in dialogue anyway, when Anna says we're three nights from port.
1: Yeah. And we have a natural kind of visual element of that too, with day and night scenes right. and the coast that we're right. uh, seeing now guiding towards. exactly. So I don't to think that good catch. I don't, right. think, I don't think we need any of that, mm-hmm. but I think, I, I think that ticking element works in its favor. Uh, in terms of letting know, he's rationing off the crew uh, one a night. Mm. So then it's like, oh shit! Well, who's next? Who's he gonna pick next? And are we gonna make it in time to get to Carfax or to London uh, with anybody left? Yeah, exactly. So they kind of stage this final stand, which you know goes tits up as you know soon as possible, right? Yeah. Uh, all this kind of scheming from the crow's nest, and then you know. David, uh, or uh, the Russian guy, he falls, you know, from the crow's nest into the bowels of the ship, mm-hmm. busts his leg open, gets vamped, and, you know, Dracula's just getting stronger here. And now we have this old surly captain that, like, you know, he's struggling too, and then he kind of gets vamped, so it's really just Anna and Clemens here and... We're so close, but now we're in the middle of like the perfect storm here. And dude, this ship is going into waves and cresting and it's a deluge of water. And it's just wondering like, what's going to break first, the ship or, uh, these people or will, mm-hmm. yeah, are we just going to kind of give up. If I'm Clemens and doing Dracula's got me by the throat, you know, I don't think I'm fighting anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, what are you saving yourself for?
1: Yeah, I can't fight this thing, this demon. Like look at this look at the, the, the wingspan on this yeah. guy and the the, the 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 claws and the fingers. I can't I can't fight
0: this. Yeah, and my reward for escaping his clutches is to be tossed about in the sea until I drown.
1: But Dracula's got a good life for him though, because like when he's got him by the throat there. And this Clemens, you know, trying to stand his ground and wants to seek the betterment of humanity and whatnot, and tells him like I'm not a, I don't fear you, I don't, I'm not afraid. Of you. And Drac is like, you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, like I said, he's. Let's talk about the the, the Drac of it all, and then we'll crash this ship here.
0: Uh, before we do that, yeah. Before the plan even started, I was shaking my head, sitting there thinking, like, why don't you do this during the day? Oh, the plan the plan essentially is to, and I don't even know if this would work. I guess it's better than nothing, but sink the ship with him on it and drown him. I don't know if vampires can swim or not, but I know they can't handle sunlight. So if you get off the ship now, even if you set it on fire, whatever that looks like in the middle of the sea,
2: yeah,
0: whatever, however much much you can do that, you sink it, set it on fire. And then you're in one of the little rowboats. I like my chances too, because The other guy that tries to escape in the rowboat, oh, the cook, yeah, the cook prior, doesn't succeed because it happens in the night, Mm -hmm. so Dracula can have free movement. If you get up at sunrise and take off, like sink the ship, take off, even if the ship sinking doesn't take him down, Mm -hmm. you should have enough distance to where it provides a little bit of cover just by not being within visions. Sure. um, Identification. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I the, wanted them to go in the. Why are you waiting till night? I don't know if the film has a good
1: reason, rationale for.
0: Yeah, because it's a horror movie. Don't go in the house. Yeah. Because we have to get to the crisis, conflict, and resolution. And
1: then the thing, too, is, you know, if they're going to try and go stake him mm-hmm. in under the bowels of the ship, the bowels are dark. So right. he could still attack down there, even if it's daylight. So point, I yeah. think that's a bad plan. But yeah, I guess they could Yeah, just torpedo this ship get in a rowboat and just let Dracula drown in the sunlight. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They're just they're, they're operating on no food and no
0: water for three weeks, right? But if we're strategizing their plan, again, back to that same point, mm-hmm. at least I'm, guys, I hope this works for you, but this would be better. I'm really pulling for this group.
1: You see, that's where the thing would, you know, does it a little bit better where mm-hmm. McCready's like, hey, none of us are getting out of here alive, but we got to make sure that thing doesn't freeze and and think we got we got to kill this thing, and I kind of like that realization in that movie, which is the realization of death from the survivors <laughs> of its curtains for us, but we got to still do some good before we say farewell. Yeah, kind of like that. And but here they're they're, they're going to fight tooth and nail to the very end, and thankfully this ship crashes like right at the like perfect time where the mast pins Dracula against this post. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to talk about him for a little bit because you know if we do do Dracula colon Voyage of the Demeter, then it's kind of his movie, right? Yeah. Then he's a very ancillary, uh, or no, like a you know a prominent uh, figure in the film. Yeah, and he's not really. Mm-mm. I mean he's he's barely he's barely in it. He is very xenomorph like in that we load it on there unbeknownst to us, and then he comes out every once in a while. And then we got to kind of do battle with it at the end. He's very mon- – it's it's a monster movie in that regard, right? Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of emotion or, like, inner, like, pathos and ethos that were taken from that character other than we already know about the man, mm-hmm. and that's the Coppola film, right? Yeah. So he just gets to ghoul out and be, and be a monster, and I, I think I like that. I think that was pretty refreshing. I don't know if I've ever seen a Dracula proper film that just lets him – just be vamped the whole time. Yeah. Cause he's got, he's such an active participant of I'm selling, real, I'm buying real estate and I'm vamping my, my reincarnated bride. Right. He's always so omnipresent in his films where he doesn't really just get to just be a ghoul. And I kind of like that. I, I, I think that's a different stance to take with the character. That's we've seen so many Dracula films.
0: Your use of the word ghoul is spot on too, mm. especially this version. This bat like version is ghoulish, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well said. I like where you're at on that.
1: Yeah. So they're pinned and uh Clemens and Anna go overboard and they're like Roy Scheider and Richard Dreyfus, like on a mast. On a piece of driftwood, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just trying to paddle to to the shore here as the demeter crashes into the
0: shoreline. Maddeningly, probably out of attainment by natural strokes, Mm -hmm. but well within attainment on any kind of serviceable boat. Oh, they're just stuck in just no man's land.
1: Yeah. Like close enough, but still kind of far away where, you know, I I tried to put myself in those shoes. I was like,
0: just keep paddling.
1: I'd be like, God, I'd be pretty freaking tired too. Like if, like if I wasn't hanging on to this piece of wood, I'm probably sinking. Yeah. Uh, just after all this battling. And then Dracula is able to kind of lift this mast off and escape, you know, before, you know, the lighthouse comes down to investigate and all the authorities come and assess the damage. And then I thought we got another kind of interesting little twist here where, you know, naturally you think like this woman's Anna's going to make it. And they do a cool thing where like, you know, the transfusions worked for a time, but now that, you know, Dracula still, if we were able to kill him, maybe we could have brought you back, but he's still alive. He's still out there and I'm growing weaker. And, I'm to be his familiar. I'm vamping bam- out again. So she kind of puts herself on a, on a other piece of driftwood and burns herself into the sunset. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting kind of turn of it all here at the end.
0: Yeah. It's really hard because you'd like to have Clemens have a friend to continue.
1: Or something. Yeah.
0: But he doesn't get that. And what I like about her is there's still enough humanity in that she doesn't go the way that O'Garan did. And that's, I'm now the familiar that is just...
1: I'm zombie now. Yeah. By
0: proxy, his zombie of souls that are he's going to feast on. She tells him, too, I knew this was coming. I knew I could only fight it for so long. This day was coming. I just wanted to do my best to try to help you get ahead on this, yeah. to do this terrible deed and finish this this bad guy off. I gave it my best, and I don't have anything left, so... I mean, how could you? I mean, at that point, I would just be like... And what I also love about her is that she doesn't say... I want you to do this to me. I love that she takes the reins and does it herself. I don't want to see this tear, because they never really were a couple. He wouldn't have been able to do it anyway. And and that's just rot bullshit drama. Okay, I don't want to do this. You have to. You love, blah, blah, blah. blah. Just, I love that she climbs on this little piece of wood, uh, almost a buoy. Mm -hmm. And the way the sun creeps on the water, approaching and the sunrise, and then (laughs) human torch, Mm -hmm. human candle. Yeah vampire hand candle
1: yeah pretty good yeah and so now we've kind of caught up with where the movie starts and we got this interesting little epilogue and what i like about this is i was a little nervous in the film because you know all the tales and tribulation of the dark universe you you never know when they're going to try and creep into this thing
0: well they kind of tried here with this and they didn't put like play again but sorry a a
1: little bit but i I think i'm like more into it now like i just kind of want more like singular focused films that I can enjoy like in the invisible man with Elizabeth Moss, right? Mm-hmm. We're not tied to this just kind of like setup process. So I'm glad there wasn't a scene in this movie where we cut to like Van Helsing's office and he tells us about the Avengers
0: initiative, right? I for sure thought that was coming. I
1: kind of thought they were going to do it too, but I, I'm kind of glad that they did it mm-hmm. because in the end we kind of get this nice wrap up with Clemens, like saying, I kind of got my answers that I was seeking. And now this thing's out there and he's in this bar with him. Right. Yeah. Stomping his Larry Talbot cane on the, on the, on the, on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he kind of like comes in like, kind of like touches his neck as he walks by almost to taunt him again. Right. Of mm-hmm. like,
0: I'm still here. I can
1: see you, man. Yeah. And very Jack the Ripper, right. Dra- uh, Dracula disappears into the night to vamp London for a couple weeks now. Right. Yeah. And we kind of just like, you like, I'll, I'll, try and hunt this thing down if I can and we know where this story's going to go so I'm just glad we didn't try to do like anything extra on top of a pretty efficiently told story of
0: our 40 minutes
1: yeah ben heln ben be like oh what was the name of that the, the that that uh manifest <laughs> <laughs> the thing cuz I could see them doing that cuz red dragon does that shit mm-hmm. uh where it's Hannibal in the cell and you know Chilton is like oh some young FBI punk wants to come talk to you and Hannibal's like uh what's her name yeah. Clarice, right? Yeah. I didn't feel like that, that was necessary because we told a singular beginning, middle, and an end story here. And we know that there was stuff before it and there's mm-hmm. stuff after it. And we just, we don't need to go farther than what the boundaries are here.
0: Well, I love that when we return to Clemens, who survived now the wreckage in the sea in this bar, he's asking, How do I get to Carfax Abbey? Mm. That's how we open up. So yeah. you see he's got a purpose. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, sitting in the bar with him, unbeknownst to him is Dracula who signals that he's there in the same way that they signaled each other on the boat using echoes, which Mm -hmm. was tapping on the wood and letting it travel around in an echo. Yeah. This isn't quite as echo, but it's the same sound Mm -hmm. and you look over and sure enough, there's the cane. Now I want to ask you about this. When he is re revealed as the London well-to-do monster, did you like his look as still mostly monstrous, or did you want a more refined and more human-like form? Well,
1: I think he's getting there. Getting there. It's, it's, he almost looked like Voldemort.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, kind of like
1: pale, pale skin and still a little monstrous, but a little more human-like. Yeah. So I think he, he's getting there. But yeah, I dug I love the cane. I love his, his coat, his top hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude.
0: Yeah, you got Jack the Ripper rocking around London here. The ending scene in this is Clemens recognizing that Dracula is there. And then as Dracula exits the bar, Clemens chases after him by himself in the middle of the night. I yeah. was thinking like, you're an idiot. Yeah. What are you doing? He <laughs> is going to kick your ass. Yeah. You have no shot against that guy mm-hmm. with your little bag of books and knowledge that what stay in the bar.
1: You saw this thing flying around the ship,
0: right? Yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: you saw the wingspan. On Wait this until guy. the
0: sun comes up, buddy. What are you doing? Yeah. But so, nope, he's gonna just traips off into the foggy London night to mm-hmm. take on a vampire. Yeah, maybe Clemens deserves to die.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Or he's determined now. Now that he's kind of come face to face with evil then then that's very loomis like right Evil, right? <laughs> yes uh this guy's a little less hard drinking than mr donald Pleasant's. but or sean
0: you've seen the show. blackest I, eyes I think, dull eyes. I, I think
1: i liked the ending I, I, I liked what it did i liked what it kind of it left everything kind of a little up in the air as to what's going to happen with clemens but we didn't try to do anything kind of beyond that because i know what's beyond that it's van helsing and it's seward and it's Quincy and, and Mina, Lucy and, and it's Mina, Mina and and Jonathan
0: Harker. <laughs> to Jonathan Harker, not in their film.
1: <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Harker. Yeah, so this is, yeah, the Harker version, because Renfield would have been floating around this ship, too. Do you think that was a miss? Okay, I was going to ask
0: you the same thing. Okay. Kind of, but only because I love that character, and I don't know where he fits in on this movie.
1: Anna's kind of a bit... Kind of, of a
0: Renfield? She's a bit of a Renfield.
1: She's not as, like, creepy as Dwight Fry, but... Yeah, that, that's where I think they're leaning more into the text a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, I got a couple questions for you here, but I got a clip I want to play for you. Uh, this is a new release, so there's not a lot of audio that I can really play from it, but uh, here's another uh, uh, Demeter scene from another Dracula film. This is Dracula Dead and Loving It mm-hmm. yet again. Mm-hmm.
0: Buddy,
2: I'll help you. Ah! <laughs> I have you now, master. Ah! <laughs> 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 Did
1: you ever think on Rice Mile Films we would ever talk so much about Peter, Peter McNichol? Peter <laughs> His hey. little... Awful. <laughs> and, we, <laughs> and we've never, and I would love to do one of these days. We have to do Dragon Slayer because it's it's a fun fantasy film, and yeah. we just don't get a lot of those. No. But his little like Renfield Dwight Fry stick, I mean that's comedy gold right there. Oh, yeah. And they're sliding on this casket back as the Demeter is just careening here. Mm-hmm. I have you, Master. <laughs>
0: There's a whole space balls, blazing saddles, young oh, Frankenstein. Dracula, Dead and Loving, we could do. You
1: just mentioned four fantastic films. I know.
0: Comb <laughs> in the Desert, we ain't
1: found shit. Yeah. And then just, Blazing Saddles is just so progressive for 1972, I believe. Yeah. And a film that I don't think would ever see the light of day today. Because it's too offensive. Oh, Yeah. And that's what makes it great. It's it's the trop- I'd love to do that. It's film. the Tropic Thunder of the seventies. It truly is. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. How about some more beans, Mister Tag? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I wanted to play a little clip for you there. Yeah, the, the genius of the Mel Brooks spoof. I think it's it Mel Brooks Brooks's style of comedy. I think is different than like other types of spoof films, like Scary Movie, and yeah. There's a lot more rooted comedy in in what he's doing there, and then he's like. A presence in all the movies, too, right? Yeah. Did you have a favorite of those four?
0: Oh, Young Frankenstein. Young
1: Frankenstein? Yeah. Oh, Frankenstein. Yeah, that's some
0: Frankenstein. Blue her? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Marty Feldman, man. Anytime. Oh,
1: my God, that guy. God and put
0: him on Earth to play Igor.
1: And Madeline Kahn. Just, she steals every scene she's in in Blazing, uh, Blazing Saddles and in Young Frankenstein. I think I'm a Spaceballs guy, but dude, dude, yeah. I love me some Rick Moranis' Dark Helmet. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's a good cast. I'll, I'm I'm at, I'm gonna put that one down because we don't do comedy a lot, and I, I think that'd be a good one, mm-hmm. good little little cast there. But questions for you: What yeah. was your favorite Tasty note scene, sequence, moment of Last Voyage of the Demeter?
0: That scene when he vamps. It's not old Garin, but it's the first nondescript townie when he that cuts his throat. Yeah, because he's laying there in this huddled mass in the shadows underneath one of the tarps on the boat, and you can tell that he's. Although he's setting him up, he's not entirely faking the state that he's in. And, and when did you get on this boat? Who are you? And the guy unknowingly walks up to his own demise Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and he springs out. And it's really the first time we kind of get full body image of Dracula with his wings and his claws and his very angular features. I started me a little bit and I knew it was coming Mm -hmm. because that's why he's there. Yeah. But I think that's probably it right now. Although him getting Toby would well, be a close. That might be coming up here in a second.
1: Right, uh, I think Yeah, my favorite scene, I think, is going to maybe be that stalking scene of, of Toby from Olgarin in the bowels of the ship into the captain's quarters. Uh, just because it did remind me a lot of the thing where, you know, the midpoint of the, the thing there is Wilford Brimley losing his freaking mind mm-hmm. and maybe already thing like at that point. I mean, that's up for debate. Uh, we'll do that film one of these days. But uh, I like it the the kind of the middle action piece of the, of that film before it gets really crazy is has nothing really to do with the thing. It's just people they've gone nuts, turning on each other. And so I like that in in this we had this stalking scene that didn't really feature Dracula, but rather one of his minions. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a different antagonistical force stalking this little boy. Mm-hmm. I, I just thought it was really, that that whole kind of sequencing was really well done in the in that uh, those moments. Yeah.
0: What's the? Oh my- moment from the moment we see dracula in the keyhole to his descent on toby and vamping toby Uh, there was no way that they were going to do that at that point in the film and yet they did yeah mine too has to be yeah it was
1: it was a good shock moment of are they going to do it are they going to walk it back and then i uh, i think they're walking it back and then when they do flame on on the on the belt of the top of the ship for his funeral i was like no they they committed Toby's gone. Yeah, that's good. He's gone. And yeah, you don't see that often in these these kind of types of movies. That's kind of, it's kind of a big no-no. Yeah. Uh, but it definitely raised the stakes for me a little bit of like, yeah, well, any of these people are going to, or all of them. And I'm I'm okay with either. Mixed for good horror. <laughs> it does, yeah. Who's the
0: master distiller on Last Voyage of the Demeter? Uh, I think there's some potential candidates here, but I'm going to go with the writers because I like that they found a place in a story that everybody knows and crafted a new take on that so to braggy shoot jr and zach Olkowitz. I probably murdered both their names but that's who braggy shoot jr is the given uh, story by credit but uh, and this is obviously adapted from the captain's log from the bram stoker novel but nonetheless those two guys to pin this into a feature film
1: good choice how about you yeah, maybe I'll go with our lead, Corey Hawkins. I think he anchors this film pretty well. Uh, you know, for you know the type of film that it is, and I had recognized him from some of those those other films here. But no, I think he really worked. I, re- I think we really liked that character. I think we were really, really interested in his plight. Wanted to see him succeed. And you know, as perilous as uh, the adventure was that the story gave to us, but no, I think it was pretty good. And I I see a lot of other roles for him, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, going forward. So I'm gonna give it to him. Good. How are you going to rate and grade The Last Voyage of the Demeter? We have rock Rocket, Well Call, Single Barrel, and Tippy
0: Top Shelf. Uh, where are you going this week? I'm struggling a little bit here. Um, I don't know if I can get all the way to Top Shelf on this. I don't know if I can get to Top Shelf Minus, but this is far better than an average film for me. So I think I'm going to go Call Plus. Um, I think I'm comfortable with Call Plus
1: think i'm gonna do that too uh yeah i, I can't go single barrel and I, I definitely can't go top shelf but yeah for kind of like a mid-level upper echelon mid-level horror vehicle i thought this did a lot of things right uh i think yeah the marketing maybe failed it but i think there's a lot of people sleeping on on this particular film mm-hmm. and whether you catch it in the theaters in your next week that you have an opportunity to or it's inevitable uh, inevitable dumping off point at on peacock uh, I think this is well worth your time, especially as spooky season's uh, approaching and you're looking for something new to watch uh, in the fall. I don't think you'll be disappointed with this hour and fifty-minute little adventure. No way, especially if you have that Dracula knowledge that I think we we thought everyone had, right? Shame on us. Uh, and if you're a fan of, I think, if, of Alien and the Thing, I think there's a lot you can kind of pull from and just set it in a different uh, vampiric space. So. Oh. I'll say this too. I think uh, th- this film was, other than like Oppenheimer, uh, Spider Verse, and like Mission Impossible, this is one of the better things I saw this summer. So, oh yeah, uh, I'll I'll give it that. I think it was, you know, as far as you know, summer release entertainment. It's 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 up there. It, it's not at the Oppenheimer, Mission Impossible, or Spider Man levels, but this was better than The Flash. This was better than Dial of Destiny. for, oh, hell for by yes. a long shot. By so, a long shot. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's unfair and it's uh, middling returns. I think it deserves a little bit more, but maybe it'll find its audience like that little film right there. So,
0: yeah, unfortunately it's going to fall on that. What happened on this film? And there's, you know, we spent the first 30 minutes of it trying to poorly figure that out. Hypothesize why that happened, but it's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Cause there's, even the Rotten Tomatoes is anywhere from like fifty to six and a half on on IMDb, and that's a that's a not a fair rating for this film at all. There's no way this is a fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I
1: wonder what the audience. Uh, let me look that up here. What the audience rating on 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 it is, because that that usually gives you a different kind of uh, glance into mm-hmm. that. But while I'm doing that, let's wrap this thing up with a nightcap. Rotten Tomatoes' score on uh, this film is a 50%, so right down the middle, right? Uh, yeah. Audience scores a 74, which that, that seems a little bit more kind of in tune with the Call Plus. So, Yeah, uh, yeah sometimes you got to kind of check both of those because who knows what the... being paying off the critics and whatever the fuck, right? So it's just... Uh, if they don't like it, I mean, you just don't drink their cup of tea, right? I right. mean, who says that film... Because that didn't work for that person's going to work for you because it might be exactly what you're in the mood for. And I mm-hmm. think we were in a think we're in a good headspace for this type of film so i agree yeah uh being that this is derived from the middle section of the captain's log from uh bram stoker's dracula my little nightcap question for you this week is what's a side story side quest sidequel that's been mentioned whether in a book uh movie video game you could even go tv if you wanted
0: to that is deserving of its own Demeter stretching out story you want me to go first yeah this is going to shock you that I'm going to pick this director because we have not always the same take on this director. It's a it's a Quentin Tarantino character. You know where I'm going from Pulp Fiction. Yeah, Winston the Wolf Wolf. Oh, okay. I think the, oh, and I didn't know you were going there. I like that idea of the cleaner. Like I like Ray Donovan. I like that person. That's the Mister Fix It after all hell's gone loose. And as important as that character is, I think it's kind of laughable. The job that he provides in Pulp Fiction because it's pretty obvious what he needs to come and do. Yeah, it's thirty minutes away. I'll be there and <laughs> hide the blood. But the level fifty-two human, blah blah blah, of um, Harvey Keitel and the way that he plays that. There's a story in there that is a an important side piece to the Marcellus Wallace and gold briefcase and all of the pieces of Pulp Fiction that really work. So. I want to see what Harvey Keitel doing when it's not cleaning up. Uh, awesome choice. Shot. What's his, I shot his face. Uh, Marvin. I shot Marvin's face. Yeah, We've Blue never,
1: Marvin's. we've never done that movie on the podcast. I think that would be a fantastic episode one day. Oh yeah. That's a sin, man. Yeah. Uh, there's another
0: Tarantino cask we could easily build. Oh, for
1: too. sure. Yeah. But yeah, the, you know, some kill bills in there. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also kicked the tires on Mr. Tarantino, uh, also possibly from your same movie, but maybe I'll save that for my honorable mention. But I'll go with a different one. I think you can stretch out what is just a kind of a small section of Kill Bill Volume One into a full feature mm. and the story of Orenishi Yeah. Orenishi E played by Lucy Liu. Yeah. I think that would be a phenomenal film. And whether okay. he's making it or if you just kind of get like a John Wick uh uh what the Chad Stileski doing doing mm. the film instead? I think it could be a lot of fun, and I'd love to see her in movies again, right? Yeah, uh, but that that's done in anime animation uh, in the middle section of, of that movie. But her upbringing and the bringing down of the mob, and then to hitman, uh, like uh, 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 assassin for hire, and then how she ends up with the uh, Deadly Viper Assassination Squad. Like, I want to know that whole story in live action format. Mm-hmm. So. That's the one I'm going to go with this week. Interesting. I guess he's good at side characters, so that makes sense. He's good at planting seeds of what else is going on there. So I have a couple honorable mentions. I don't know if you do, but. I do too. uh, I think Vincent Vega's Amsterdam Adventures. Hey, I'm kind of on board for that.
0: Okay, I'll see your Vincent Vega's Amsterdam Adventures and raise you Jabba the Hutt. Okay. Give me a side story. What was he doing in between New Hope and Jedi? Yep. And I would have said Boba Fett prior to about two years ago, but I finally got that and it was a hot mess. You so got, you've had enough Boba Fett at this point. Book a Boba was brutal. That's pretty bad. Am I, uh... I mean, at least they didn't leave him dead in the mouth of some animal that took a thousand years to digest. At least they rescued that, but they rescued it with pretty bad life preserver. Yeah.
1: Is that the worst thing that the Star Wars, I mean, for the shows, is that the, the worst product they've put out?
0: Mm, man, yeah, it's pretty bad. Because I
1: still kind of enjoyed most of Obi Wan and Mandalorian for the most part was yeah.
0: fairly solid until Luke Skywalker showed up. That being said, though, not yeah. to detract where we're getting from with your honorable mentions, yeah, as bad as their stuff is, their bad can't start Marvel's bad. Yeah, they're when normal. we're talking about Marvel, Marvel has the rights, dead copyrights yeah. on on bad. Well, let me pick up the slack
1: right where you left it off because we talked about before on the podcast and off mic that, you know, when Black Widow or Hawkeye got did get their solo mm. adventure, we didn't want it to be Budapest. But then we got the Hawkeye show, and then we got a Black Widow movie, and it wasn't that amazing, right? No. So give me Budapest, Budapest. with them together. Yeah, I love that. And that might be okay. Yeah. So... Yeah, those are some some of some of my options. I, they did do the Kessel Run in that
0: horrible solo movie, right? Mm. Um any any others? Uh not really. Not really. I mean Fredo Corleone and his adventures in Vegas. Hey. You yeah. In Blockbuster Heaven, that movie exists. Yeah. <laughs> that was one that I played with a little bit. Directed by Martin Scorsese. Come on, man. Yeah. That could be just an exercise in futility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Any others for you? Um
1: No, I think that's it. Yeah, I think Mr. Tarantino, I think he's pretty good at it, of just kind of laying a a nugget of, well, what else the hell is going on? Like, Butch Coolidge's boxing career. Like, Mm. what was that in between the gold watch and when he decides to, like, uh, screw this fix, right? Did you give any thought to that
0: with Loomis's? The Dr. Loomis adventures? (laughs) Him and his relationship trying to figure out Michael in that. Instance. did you give any thought to that? Well, they
1: kind of do that in the Rob zombie films with Malcolm McDowell. So
0: yeah, uh, no,
1: I, I, n- not, not too much. There may be a Snake Plissken story in there, like oh, yeah. pre-getting like getting arrested, which is the deleted opening scene of Escape from New York, which is robbing the Federal Reserve mm-hmm. and then going to New York. So if they stretch that out into a movie like a caper robbery heist film with Plissken, hey, I'm on board. Could be good. Yeah. Well, excellent. I think this is a good start to getting the spook train uh, running along. And next week, we're about to unveil a cask that I've been excited to do since February. Uh, And it's a cask we've done before in the past. Uh, I think we had a lot of fun on the initial go-round. And let's just call this the cask of Cronenberg. Mm -hmm. And am I speaking about one or two Cronenbergs? Mm. We'll have to find out, right? Yeah. But I think all three films in this cask are going to be fresh, raw watches from you. (sighs) So this is exciting. Yeah. Uh, coming up first, uh, we have a hell of a little film to talk about. Uh, we're going to discuss the brood, mm. uh, with Mr. Oliver Reed and Samantha Eggers and a whole bunch of creepy kids. So yeah, let's head back up to Canada. Uh, <laughs> and let's, let's, let's do some Canadian horn with Mr. David Cronenberg here. State funded
0: horror, Yeah. yeah no there you better. go. Oh
1: man. That, that's great. I want to get in on that gig. Yeah. No kidding. And then the next two I think are going to be really just, you know, very popular types of films to get into. We're going to go into some crazy conversations. Tell you you that much. We are. The psychosexual, the uh, motherhood, uh, you know. Body dysmorphia. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a lot of that. Yeah, I think. (laughs) Uh, This is going to be a ton of fun. I can't wait to do this. Uh, So until then. Until then. Cheers. Hey, we got to get going this week. I booked us some tickets on a cruise ship, but uh, RMS Poseidon. That can't possibly go wrong for us. So hey, let's go have a good time on this cruise ship, right? Beautiful. It's headed to tropical weather. <laughs> Excellent. Hopefully, there's not a storm in the middle of all that. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, go check out T Public. Get any Rice Smile merch. Uh, check us out on any of the social media platforms or at uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbeam, wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: And we'll see you next week. Yeah. And before you do that, or after that, immediately get to the theater and see this film so you don't have to watch it on TV. Yeah. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the dark.
1: Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It really helps out the show. And for Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. The last voyage of the Demeter. Is property of Universal Pictures, DreamWorks Pictures, Reliance Entertainment, StoryWorks Productions, Studio Babelsberg, Phoenix Pictures, and Wiseau Media. And no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. I'm going to kill the cursed
2: thing. He is on this ship. Which means we will never leave it. The devil is real. May God have mercy on us all.